Welcome to the PackSex Podcast, available on iTunes and sponsored by Jetliner Cabin's ebook app. This is episode 58 of the show where we talk about everything to do with the passenger experience. I'm Mary Kirby and I'm joined by my co-host Max Flight. Max, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, Mary. It's great to be talking with you again and we have an exciting guest coming up. Oh, we sure do. We sure do. Okay, but before we get started, we'd like to thank the Jetliner Cabin's ebook app for sponsoring this week's podcast. Jetliner Cabins is the story of how scientists, designers, engineers, maintenance, and marketing specialists have transformed the stark tubular interiors of typical airliners into unique settings. This ebook app invites readers to explore the expertise, discover the details, and enjoy the fascinating world of Jetliner Cabins. Visit jetlinercabins.com to learn more and to download the app. Now, it's my great pleasure to introduce our guest today. Harriet Baskis writes about airports, travel, music themes, and a wide variety of other topics for outlets that include NBCNews.com, CNBC.com, USAToday.com, and others. She is also the creator of the StuckAtTheAirport.com blog and a contributor to Roma Girl Network. Welcome to the show, Harriet. Thanks so much for having me today. Excited to be here. Oh, Harriet, it's great to be speaking with you. And you were actually on Airplane Geeks. I had to look it up. It was about five years ago. So it's, it's been a long time since we've chatted, but I'm glad we'll have the opportunity now. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, let's take a look at some of the PaxX news stories that are making headlines. First, gender equality in the aviation industry was a major topic of discussion at the recent International Air Transport Association annual general meeting in Sydney. Now, as many of you will have heard, Qatar Airways chief and newly appointed IATA chair Akbar Al-Baker had a shocking open-mouth-insert-foot moment when he suggested that the job of CEO can only be held by a man. Now, Harriet, you witnessed this gobsmack comment. How did journalists respond? And do you think it will hurt IATA's broader message that industry needs to be far more inclusive of women, including in the C-suite? Well, that comment came at the very end of the whole event. It was a media briefing that a lot of people skip at the end when they rush out to get their their flight home or to pack up their stuff. And I was really glad I went because he made that comment and people groaned. Some people laughed. I literally jumped out of my chair. (laughs) <laughs> it was like wow. it was it was really um shocking all the more because throughout the event the topic of gender equity and getting more women at the upper echelons of the airlines was discussed in many different places and it wasn't as if he wasn't there at the event he just he was asked a question he's a very stone-faced person and known for saying controversial things but it appeared that he didn't, he looked right at the questioner who was a woman right up in the front row. And he, he didn't look like he thought he like took a second to think about his answer. He just said that. Um, and people, um, there was a lot of noise in the room and I jumped up. Other people had jumped up, I think, to like do their texts or send their videos. And sadly, he, a minute later, shared some statistics about the role of women in that airline, which includes pilots and includes women in the senior vice presidents. So if he had thought a moment, he would have done better, I think. 
It was um, it was amazing to be kind of following it all along remotely, Harriet, and to see the tweets and everything. Um, it was quite shocking. I personally found his comment to be, like many, uh, completely inappropriate and absolutely disgusting. And I know that he later apologized and then kind of followed up that uh, that apology with a statement that he was just joking and that the press, he accused the press of taking his words out of context and sensationalizing everything. But in doing so, I kind of felt like he betrayed like a contempt for women and media. And I firmly believe that IATA should have publicly admonished him and issued a formal apology to women, and it didn't do so, which is kind of outrageous in its own right. Um, but to me, it, it, it really was, it, it was quite shocking. And uh, one of our contributors, Marissa Garcia, who was also at the AGM, she penned an opinion piece for us, and I thought she made a really interesting and excellent point. She said, in some ways, it was refreshing to hear the truth laid kind of so bare in this fashion. I mean, he said what actually a lot of people believe. Um, and I think it's IATA's own stats that show uh, 85% of managerial positions at airlines are held by men. There's a reason for that. Um, and, of course, the percentage of women on IATA's own board of directors is far less than that. I, I think that there was a missed opportunity for the new chair of IATA to say that he's taking gender equity seriously and also a missed opportunity on the part of IATA to show that they're taking it seriously enough to issue an apology, and they did not do that. It, all quite shocking. Max, have you ever heard anything like this? I mean, I know that this is an issue that is is—it's a very sensitive issue right now, and of course, um, in the wake of the Me Too moment, there's... Uh, there's a lot of passion and a lot of emotion behind uh, the imbalance in so many industries. But I couldn't I, – I, I'm still in shock that, that this man, the new chair of IATA, said this. Yes. When I saw the initial report, I thought, well, this must have been taken out of context. This couldn't possibly be. Or uh, sometimes on the news you see you know, little slices, little sound bites, and it doesn't provide sort of the overall – the context and what was going on. I thought, well, maybe that's the case or or maybe maybe it's a bad joke or something. Not that either of those would excuse it at all. But when it became clear that this is what the man said, I I, I couldn't believe it. I also thought that maybe IATA would have some kind of formal response that, uh, like you say, they might have taken advantage of the situation. But in the end, I guess the the positive part of all this is, is again, what, what you said, Mary, is that it kind of threw this issue out in the open and maybe has facilitated some, some more thoughts on that. But if the thing just fades away, if the issue just fades away and that's it, then then there's no value from this and the outcome won't be positive. Yeah, I mean, the, it wasn't even just the words. The optics out of that event were, Harriet, and of course you being there, uh, were really upsetting. I mean, you had an all-male CEO panel discussing gender balance in industry. <laughs> the optics alone were bad. The, you know, the fact that, uh, and, I, and it was Flight Global's uh, Jim Leo, a journalist, um, who was very vocal um, about this issue on Twitter, who said, you know, hey, Ayata, perhaps a real panel on gender diversity in 2019. And then she proceeded to list all of the C-suite leaders who are women um, and a hefty list at that. So it's, yes, while there's a huge imbalance, it's 
not like we don't have women in industry that would be able to speak on this subject that are in the C-suite. Um, she kind of shared her binder full of women, and, and I have to say, it, it, it's really sad that we're at this point. Um, Harriet, what, what did you think about, what was the kind of general response to the fact that there were these all-male panels discussing the issue, and it's as if no one had thought to bring women on stage for it? Well, that CEO panel hosted by Richard Quest, to his credit, um, when the question was asked from the audience about gender equity and getting more women up at the top, he pointed out, he said, now we're going to have six men in suits um, discuss this. But none of those men, to their credit, said, you know, oh, yes, only men can run my airline. Um, right. They at least, you know, whether they believed it or not. And I think I believe that those men were serious when they said that there were plans and that there are ways that they're working within their organizations to move women to the top. So at least it was addressed there without being um, diminished or, or without making making fun of. Um, right. And there was a short 20, they did a series of 20-minute interviews from the stage, and there was one session that addressed gender equity, and there were two women who did a very good job. So I'm assuming I would be surprised if this was not better addressed or, or better represented next year around and at other events within the industry. It's up to people like us to bring those issues up when we're um, invited to panels or we see panels being put together. Make a point of that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, aviation, of course, is an international industry, and not uh, every country uh, is at the same level when it comes to equality of a wide variety of types. And so we, we kind of have to recognize that. But um, again, that's not an excuse. It just means that we need to keep the uh, the pressure, keep it in the spotlight, make sure that the issue is, is out there being discussed so that in these other places, we can see some progress being made. And you're right, of course, that it's not just, uh, a, you know, a gender imbalance. Of course, uh, there's a tremendous lack of diversity, period. I mean, I think uh, one journalist said she was blinded by the white, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it's not just all male, but it's nearly all white male, which, uh, you know, is uh, also an issue as well. So, uh, yeah, gosh, improvement in diversity all around is needed at this point. Yes. All right. Well, next, the Transportation Security Administration continues to confiscate record numbers of firearms at airport security checkpoints. And this is despite warning travelers that they cannot bring guns in their carry-on bags. Well, more than a few passengers try to fly with loaded weapons. I know, Harriet, you've been tracking this story for quite a long time. Is the TSA missing a trick here? Can anything be done to ensure that passengers don't pack heat when they fly? This is a topic that I, I watch every week. The TSA sends out a report every week of how many firearms and other scary things that they find at the checkpoints every week. Um, and I'm always amazed. And it's not like they're not telling people. I mean, they're working very hard to alert people. I don't know what they're missing except um, trying to get more laws passed that might find people more or get more people arrested for carrying guns in states where it is illegal. Last year, they found more than 4,000 firearms 
at airport checkpoints. Every year that they've been tracking this, and I think they started in 2013, the number just keeps going up. I don't know, innocently assumed it would go down as people got the word. More people are flying, and obviously more people are flying with guns. But it just keeps going up. A week or two ago, they found a hundred and what was it? A hundred and one firearms at airport checkpoints, and I thought, oh, that must be a record. No, a hundred and four a couple of months ago. <laughs> I don't carry a gun, but I know that a lot of people do. A lot of people carry licensed guns. In more than thirty states, you're allowed to carry your gun around and out. Um, so a lot of people who are found with guns at airports, um, their explanation is, oops, I forgot I had my gun on me or in my purse or in my briefcase. The thing that scares me even more is that a lot of the guns they find are loaded and many of them have a bullet in the chamber. So people, God. I and I haven't talked with someone about, is that the way you carry your gun around normally? Like, that's a way you like accepted, but um, that really frightens me. Yeah. And every time I share this on my blog, Stuck at the Airport, I always get nervous before I hit send because whenever all I do is just share that information and I always get one or two emails from people who say, yeah, but those people aren't terrorists or yeah, but you know this or that. And maybe they're not terrorists, but they're irresponsible gun owners and I don't want to be in an airport where somebody's gun that they forgot was in their purse or their briefcase or their strap to their leg um, goes off by mistake. Or they get mad at somebody who pushes a friend in front of them on the security line. I just, I just worry about this. And I don't know what the answer is because you are allowed to carry your guns in public places in so many states. I'll always remember years ago, Harriet, you're writing a piece about some of the other uh, weapons that are are hauled in by the TSA. And, and, and one memorable uh, one was a surface-to-air missile launcher, which you're just there and you're thinking, what? Um, interestingly enough, I did attend an IATA kind of safety-focused event last year. And they had a representative from the TSA get up and, and, and give a speech, and he said that uh, despite the TSA's efforts doubling down on its messaging, trying to get the word out on social media, blogging, as you say about it, regularly, and, and trying to get the word out also in mainstream media, that it just it, it hasn't been working. It's, and, and like you say, inexplicably, the numbers are going up instead of down. I mean, I, I'm kind of at a loss myself. Uh, Max, any thoughts? Well, what we have in the United States, anyway, is a patchwork of state laws that deal with open carry or concealed carry, and some states allow it, some states don't, some states require just cause, some states don't, some require a permit or license, others don't, and so it's a, a wide variety of different situations in different states. This is regulated at the state level, and even in some states, like I believe California, has different laws, gun carry laws, depending on which county you're in, but despite all that, Gun owners have a certain responsibility, in my mind, to treat guns properly. Now, the fact that of those 101 firearms that uh, you mentioned, Harriet, that 28 of them had a load chambered, uh, that's just totally irresponsible. You don't walk around with a handgun with a, a round in the chamber. You just don't do it. That's just bad practice. So 
it just strikes me as incredible that there is, you know, a lack of responsibility on the part of gun owners. And before anybody writes in and says, oh, Max is, you know, some flaming liberal. Well, yes, I am a flaming liberal, but I'm also a, a gun owner. I'm licensed in the state of Connecticut to carry a handgun. Even in the past, I found myself as president of a gun club once, I guess because there was nobody else who would step up to the job, I suppose. But So I do have some experience with this, and it's important that I think states, if they're going to allow people to carry firearms, they have to recognize that, that it's not allowed on the plane and that part of the training program, part of the awareness should specifically deal with that. And where there are violations of that, it it should be as, as severe as other gun carry violations in terms of the penalty that you have to pay. But this is a hot button issue. Certainly, a lot of people have very strong feelings about carrying firearms, uh, but we just have to keep them off of planes. There's only two things that um, I've heard or discussed that I think might make sense or might happen. One that if somebody is found, even in a state where it's legal to carry guns, if someone's found with the one at a checkpoint, to make the fines increase because it, a lot of people who have done it once do it again. So to make either you know those people get on a no-fly list or something else happens to them where the penalties increase. Another thing is, you know, we've had shooters in the public area of airports, and there's often discussion about moving the metal detectors back to more of the perimeter of the airport, and maybe those guns would be picked up sooner. Hmm. That would change the whole process, but that would that's an interesting solution right there. Yeah, it's a bigger change because the airport is a public area, and I think in most uh, cases, the local laws will apply, so may have to have a you know an adjustment of of those as well but uh, to me I don't know I, I guess I can imagine forgetting but you if you're carrying a gun you shouldn't forget that you're carrying a gun again that's just irresponsible you know maybe the solution is if if a gun is found at the checkpoint it's confiscated and that's it you just lost your gun I think that would send a message right legal or not in a legal state or not right yeah, yeah. Now, staying at the airport, but moving on to a little bit of a different kind of a topic, Harriet's Stuck at the Airport blog is known for giving passengers great advice on how to best make the hours fly by at airports. Since we have you on the show, Harriet, we wanted to ask you a question. Are you seeing any clever new ideas at airports that will provide a diversion during those long layovers? Maybe something other than cleaning your handgun? <laughs> exactly. So maybe that would be something. Um, yes, I always see stuff. I try to, I make a point of tracking it and I always love it when the airports contact me first to let me know when something's happening. So yes. So um, besides spas and bars and places to look out the window, which is always a great way to spend a, a layover, um, I've been tracking things like um, airports that have art and history exhibits and one of my favorites is San Francisco International Airport, which has an accredited museum program. I think it's still the only airport with an accredited museum program. And at any one time, there's at least 20 exhibits, museum quality exhibits around the airport. Right now, there's a great exhibit of vintage radios in Terminal 3 through the end, the beginning of August. So this one's just closing down soon. Um, there's a great exhibit of early coin-operated novelty machines. It's in the International Terminal early machines that dispensed everything from matches 
to um, whiffs of perfume. I really like that one. Um, other airports with great art programs. Um, Miami has a great one. Albany has one that's just turning 20 years old. Um, Atlanta has a lot of art, especially if you um, go in the underground walkway. There's a, there's some really nice pieces down there. So you get exercise and art. St. Louis often partners with their local museums and the international, I think it's the Chess Hall of Fame is in St. Louis. And they've got a great exhibit of um, chess sets right now and some fun themes. Um, Milwaukee, a lot of airports also have um, aviation exhibits. Milwaukee has a aviation museum inside the airport. Fort Wayne, Indiana has a great one. Um, but at Milwaukee, there's also free ping pong. And there's a bar that has a table with beer taps in the table. So you like serve yourself. I like that idea. Oh, yeah, wow. <laughs> that could that could get dangerous. Pre-flight. Yes, I mean you pay. You pay. It's like those wine bars where you like just put your credit card in. But I like that it's beer taps. Um, Portland International Airport has a beautiful 17 seat micro cinema that shows about like an hour of short films by Oregon filmmakers, and they just refresh their offerings. Minneapolis shows uh, movie shorts. San Francisco also has one. I think it's pre-security that shows some video shorts. Um, And Miami International Airport did a thing where they took some of um, old flight monitors, like the TV set style old flight monitors that they weren't using. And with one of the local museums, there's an hour-long reel in there of vintage clips of the airport, including a lot of celebrities coming and going from Miami International Airport. So I would spend a lot of time there. Um, Raleigh-Durham just opened a new bar, the Whiskey River, that has live music music six days a week and a stationary bowl that you can sit on and get your picture taken at. (laughs) Um, More and more airports are installing... um, the Mamava nursing pods um, so that nursing moms can um, feed their baby, nurse their babies or pump milk. And those pods are often sponsored by local organizations, but they're nice, secure, clean places for people to do that. Um, And San Diego is, I started uh, the trend of airports having artists in residence. The first year they had a circus uh, in in residence at the airport, so like there was really a clown on on the security checkpoint with you sometimes. <laughs> and um, this year, it's an aerial dance troupe, so you might see people flying through the air at the San Diego airport. Wow! wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go to the airport. Yeah, that's just some. So I always tell people, you know, we. Often our inclination is to get the security checkpoint and go to our gate and sit there and head down on our computer or our phone. But so many airports are really doing a lot to make it um, interesting and entertaining and educational. So I just tell people, you know, walk around. And walk around is another thing. A lot of airports have marked walking paths so you know how far you've walked and get your steps in before you get on the plane. Hmm. Wow, that's wonderful. Harriet, I love the I love the uh the pods that yes. you were describing yes. for for mothers. I know that that's a big issue and and of course it's also an issue for crew, members of crew. Um you know, so it, it's kind of interesting that that airports are stepping up in that regard. 
Um, now, another topic that uh, you've actually uh, been kind enough for, to cover for Runway Girl Network, and I know you've done for a number of, of, of big outlets, is, of course, the fact that some states have legalized marijuana, and then kind of what does that mean for the passenger at the airport and what is permitted and what isn't? Can you just give us kind of an idea of whether or not anyone is allowed to get stoned yet? At the airport as a, as a diversion? Because that makes the art extra interesting. Um, what do you think? <laughs> I don't know if there's a law about being stoned at the airport, but it's still, uh, pot is still illegal to travel, officially illegal to, to travel with on a plane. Um, so, but in many states it's decriminalized. So airports have had to, to deal with that issue and um, airports have done it different ways and states have done it different ways. So officially, the TSA will tell you, or has told me numerous times, that their job isn't to look for drugs. Their job is to look for guns, and they're busy doing that, we know, um, to look for guns and bombs and explosives and other things that are on the list that can, um, can be used to hurt people. But they're really not looking for pot. But if they find it, um, say they open up your suitcase and you've got $10,000 of cash in there and a little bit of pot, then you're in, you're going to get um, a little bit in trouble. So the, they what they do is if they find it, they call over the local authorities. But if you're, the local authorities are in a state where pot is legal, they're not going to arrest you. What they'll probably say is get rid of it. So you could throw it away. You could hand it off to somebody who's still in the airport to take out. Um, you can put it in your car. You have options. So some airports have put amnesty boxes um, outside the buildings in Las Vegas, um, where the law for the airports is no pot anywhere in the airport. They've got amnesty boxes out front at the car rental place and out front of the building. Um, Denver also has a rule, no pot anywhere on airport grounds. Um, so some airports have amnesty boxes. Others just have signs. In Portland, Oregon, you know, such a hip place, um, there used to be, I don't think they've got it anymore, but there was a sign at the checkpoint that said, if you are flying within Oregon, you can fly with your pot, but not if you're flying outside of Oregon. So people are doing it different ways. What we say in Washington, where it's also um, decriminalized, is better to travel with edibles, <laughs> rather than a little bag of pot or, or a joint that you've bought. Max, your brownies are cleared for uh, takeoff. No, my brownies are perfectly safe. <laughs> oh, but I do, I do want to mention that um, when there, there are um, products that have not, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but there are products that have hemp in them. Like, yes, like the CBC, CBC oil and hemp oil. Yes, yes. So some airports are exploring selling that um, because it is, you know, a, a souvenir you might legally bring home. I was told that as soon as Washington uh, made recreational pot legal, that the airport here was contacted by someone who wanted to have a vending machine with pot products <laughs> in the airport. But, but they, they didn't do that yet. Oh, well, in time. It's amazing, though, how much has happened in just a sh short period of time, though, isn't it, Harriet? I mean, it's just been a few years and the ball's really rolling. Someone who's kind of pro-marijuana, I'm excited about this new turn of events. 
<laughs> yes. I think we'll see a day where airports are selling, you know, in places where it's legal because it is, uh, you know, it's a moneymaker. In, in my right. neighborhood, there's a shop and I see um, tourist buses that come because they bring people. It's still a novelty and people are still shopping and would like to bring home those souvenirs. I believe it. I believe it. Well, alas, we're rapidly coming to a close. I'd like to thank our listeners. And remember, you can find us online at RunwayGirlNetwork.com and on iTunes. Be sure to follow all the Runway Girl Network activity on Twitter at at RunwayGirl. And remember to use the PaxX hashtag when tweeting about the passenger experience. Join in the conversation. We would love to have you. I'd like to reiterate our thanks to our sponsor, the Jetliner Cabins ebook app. And I'd like to thank Harriet for being our guest. Harriet, where can listeners find you at? Um, they'd be great if they came to visit me at stuckattheairport.com. Very good. Excellent, excellent blog. Lots of interesting information, Harriet. I love uh, browsing through that. And we thank you for joining us for this episode of the PaxX Podcast. And we'll ask all of you to join us again next time as we talk about the passenger experience on the PaxX Podcast. Take care, everyone. Mm-hmm.